Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. From KMOX Sports. Okay, boys, here we go. Welcome to the Great Bar Sports Open Line. Those bit swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. Graybar, your distributor for electrical and data comm needs. Here we go. Now, Matt Pauley on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. All right, man, let's get going here. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Let's go. And we do welcome you into another edition of a Graybar Sports Open Line right here on KMOX. My name is Matt Pauley. Great to have you with us. Have you for the next about hour and a half or so. We'll get done Right around 7.40, 7.45 as we get you set for our Cardinals baseball tonight. They continue their West Coast road trip. They are currently on leg number two of this three-city trip after a loss yesterday against the Giants 4-0. Tonight, Jake Woodford on the mound for the Cardinals. Old friend John Brebbia will make the start for the Giants as uh, they go with uh, an opener in what appears to be a bullpen game today. It'll be interesting because you would assume that most of the pitching changes will happen between innings. But it is a bullpen game, more pitching changes. First uh, bullpen game that I can think of that I've taken real note of uh, this year. So with the pitch clock and everything, is it going to impact the length of the game today? I don't know. Well, maybe we'll talk about it a little bit uh, during uh, during the post-game show. As always, if you want to join us, you can do so multiple ways to get connected with the program. You can call. You can text 314-436-7900. 314-436-7900. Or you can tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air. Um, yesterday's game was disappointing, not just because of them losing, but the way in which they lost the game. And I I don't want to be a broken record. I don't want to say the same thing every single day. If you tune in every single day and you hear me saying the exact same thing, there's nothing really original coming out. I guess where I'm at with this team right now is there's still plenty of time for them to get this thing back on track. And they're still the most talented team in the NL central. But at the same time, I think there is some frustration in watching them lose games in the fashion that they are losing games. And for yesterday, Jordan Montgomery's pitching a whale of a game comes in uh, at over a hundred pitches, comes back out for the seventh inning is just going to face one batter in the seventh does that, gets the ground ball that he needs, and what do you know? There's an air made behind him, and then that's the inning where things go very poorly for the Cardinals, and eventually Drew Verhagen gives up a, a home run. Verhagen did not pitch especially well, and it's a four-run four, four run seventh for the Giants, and that was more than what they needed to get the win last night when Alex Cobb was really good. Now, I do think, I call them tip-your-cap games, there is some truth to looking across the way and looking and seeing what Alex Cobb did, and he was really, really, really good yesterday. 
and maybe the Cardinals don't win that game, even if they don't give up the four runs in the seventh inning, but you would have liked to have seen how that all ends up playing out. And I, I talked about this yesterday in the postgame show. There are, there are a few trends. There are a few things that tend to happen when the Cardinals are losing games. One of them is they don't hit with runners in scoring position. If they hit with runners in scoring position, they win. If they don't, they lose. Now, I'm not breaking any news right there, and that's something that's pretty true for most teams across baseball. But the extreme uh, lack of success that the team tends to have with runners in scoring position, we've said it all year long. At some point, you think that's going to even out. At some point, they're they're too good of an offensive team. They're hitting the ball too hard. The, all these things, at some point, you expect it to turn around, but it hasn't turned around yet. And you're still continuing to wait for that turnaround. I don't know when it's going to come. We're, we're not at a point of worrying too much. We're not at a point of no return, but clearly every game matters. The, the game that you play in April and May has the same value as the game that you that you play in August and September and, and, and into October when the season goes that long. So these games matter. They're they're chasing not very good teams. The Pittsburgh Pirates, I I, I like and I like the Pirates. This is why I'm uncomfortable saying this. I really like the Pirates. I really like what they're doing. Brian Reynolds signed a contract extension today. That's really going to help them out. The Pirates are not that far away from being one of the better teams in the NL Central if they can keep this current group of young players together. But they're playing at almost a 700 clip right now. They're not going to keep doing that. I don't I don't think the Pirates are going to be a postseason team this year. I don't think the Milwaukee Brewers are going to be a postseason team this year. I don't think the Chicago Cubs are going to be a postseason team this year. Somebody's got to win the division. I still think it's going to be the Cardinals. But you look at who they're chasing. If there are some teams in other divisions who are in a lot worse shape right now because of who they're chasing. If you're the Philadelphia Phillies and you're under 500 and you're chasing the Braves and you're chasing the Mets, those are legit good teams. Um, if you are, uh, if you're the, uh, well, the Yankees are bad. Just that, that division is just so stacked. Um, if you're the Houston Astros, and you're chasing the Texas Rangers. Well, you're, you're going to be fine. There are some good teams that are, so that's kind of more similar to the, the Cardinals situation because the Rangers are leading the way. Uh, I just, one of the odd things about this year is the fact that so many teams that were not expected to do well have jumped out to really good starts. And so many teams that were expected to do well have jumped out to not so good starts. And with those, each of those things happening inside of the NL Central, the Cardinals find themselves seven games back. Seven games is not insurmountable, but they got to get it figured out at some point. I, you know, two things can be true. You can be concerned about the level of play that the team is currently giving you while also understanding and admitting that they're still okay. They're still fine. I don't know what the date is. I've always thought, you know, if you if you hang out around 500 and you're around 500 at the All-Star break and you don't have any teams just running away with the division, then you can go on a two-month sprint and get into the playoffs. I've always thought that. Now, I don't know if I believe that quite as much this year, say in the East and the West, where you've got these teams that have spent so much money, you've got almost kind of super teams out there. But in the Central, I'll continue to believe that. If you can hang out around 500 and – 
the Cardinals are not hanging out around 500 right now. They've got a they're under 400 in terms of winning percent, so they've got some work to do. But if they can hang out around 500 and be there come the All Star break, then you can really get going in the final couple months of the season, where that would probably be the time where some of these teams that weren't expected to do as well start to fall off because of the rigors that are a 162-game season in Major League Baseball. 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900. That's how you call. That's how you text. You could tweet at me as well if you'd like, at Matt Pauley on air. We've got a lot coming up. Uh, Daniel Guerrero from the Post-Dispatch and STL Today is going to uh, join us in just a few minutes. Earl Austin Jr. will join us later on this hour. We'll talk slew basketball and NBA playoffs with him. Uh, next hour, our good friend uh, Brad Young, who you hear hosting uh, at your service, he did an interview on our sister station, 97.1 FM Talk, giving uh, some insight on what's going on with sports gambling in Missouri. We're going to play that for you, and uh, we'll hear from our guy, Brendan Schaefer, covers the Cardinals for KMOV.com. All that's coming up on this edition of a Gray Bar Sports Open Line here on KMOX. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. I'm Paul DeYoung, and you're listening to Sports Open Line on KMOX. Our sports open line does continue here on KMOX. We're leading you right into coverage of Cardinals baseball. Cardinals in action tonight against the Giants playing game two of a four-game series. Jake Woodford against John Brebbia, the pitching matchup tonight. Right now, very happy to welcome on to the program. Covers the Cardinals, covers the Cardinals minor leagues for uh, the Post-Dispatch, STL Today. And uh, he joins us right now. He is Daniel Guerrero. Follow him on Twitter at TheDanGuerrero. Daniel, always appreciate you taking a few moments with us. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing good, Matt. How are you doing? I am good. Uh, I want to start with this, and this has more of a, a big league um, tent to it, but we are mm-hmm. not seeing a ton of Jordan Walker right now. And w- before the season got started, people like me said over and over and over, if you're going to have Jordan Walker on the major league roster, he's got to play almost every single day. Are you surprised that here recently, even as he slumped a bit, he hasn't been, giving, been given a few more opportunities? Uh, in, in a little bit of a sense. I mean, I I know we kind of, everybody, you know, everybody was paying attention to that streak that he had, uh, you know, I think it was 12 consecutive games to start his MLB career with a hit, um, you know, played a lot of games, had a lot of at-bats. I mean, it made sense, you know, after that for him to get a, you know, to get a breather, um, you know, kind of collect himself. I mean, with all the emotion and just kind of the, the duties of being a major league player. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it does kind of, surprised me just kind of in in this last stretch for him to be uh out a little bit or just kind of um you know uh not in the starting lineups but i mean i think it's something that uh 
you know, I I I think we'll we'll kind of see a little bit later of uh, him, you know, kind of get getting back into the mix of things, um, just as far as getting adjusted to playing and also adjusted to just kind of the intensity of the games at, at the big league level. The Cardinals are not getting a ton of production from the outfield in a perfect world. Their other two outfielders, whoever they may be on any given night, would be producing, so there wouldn't be a whole lot of pressure on Walker. It feels like, uh, and, and he drove in the two runs the other day, and those were the only two runs they scored. It just it feels like it's not a great situation where uh, there's a lot on him because he's part of an underperforming offense. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that that when we looked at the offseason, right? The Cardinals went out and they got Wilson Contreras. Obviously, that was a huge pickup. And and you know when you look across at other. Uh, you know, contending teams. I mean, it's more than just three guys in a lineup that are a threat. I mean, there's always a fourth or fifth guy. Um, and, you know, there was kind of that notion that, you know, maybe Jordan Walker would be, you know, that guy. But, I mean, that's, that's you know, for a kid who's 20 years old to play at the major league level and be looked at as that, that's obviously a lot of weight on on, on the shoulders of somebody, I mean, even as, as big and as talented as, as Jordan is. Um, but, yeah, I mean, when you look at his production, I mean, even after, you know, kind of that mini slump, uh, when you when you look at what he's able to do with the at bats that he's been able to take, and when he when he shows you know what he can be, I mean it, it makes you think like okay, I mean uh, with enough at bats, enough playing time, this guy's going to eventually become you know that a big piece in that lineup and 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 in that outfield as he gets adjusted defensively too. You wrote a really nice story that locked in on uh, Matthew Libertor. He's been really good at Memphis. His last time out, he wasn't quite as dominant as he has been in previous outings, but his overall numbers are still really good, and it feels like. If the Cardinals needed another starter, he would probably be that next guy to get that opportunity. Obviously, Adam Wainwright's going to be coming back. We don't know what's going to happen with uh, Jake Woodford after tonight. Uh, but can you? I don't want to take everything away, but I want people to read the story. But can you tell a little bit about what he did, especially in spring training, to put himself uh, in position to be taking these steps forward? Yeah, I mean, uh, well, first off, thanks for reading. I really appreciate that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, when you look at what he's been able to do to start the year, I mean, he's a 2-6-0 ERA and I think about 31 in two-thirds innings, just uh, just above 30 innings, right, um, across his first five starts. Um, strikeout rate has been a little bit – I mean, has been up more. Uh, he's still kind of walking a few guys, which is something he meant uh, – you know, he had kind of mentioned it as something he wants to cut down on as well. But when you look at what he's done uh, and when you look at just kind of the metrics of his pitches, especially with his velocity – I mean, it's it's a jump from where he normally is at the start of the season. I mean, even on opening night, he was touching 98 miles an hour, um, really on late into his starts, and has kind of been been in that range. Even even uh, when when he when he's pitching deep into a game, I mean, he's still touching 96, 97, um, which obviously is, is an improvement of where he's at, kind of averagely. And really, a big part of that are the innings that came uh, during spring training. I mean, I know we all talked about the players who were leaving for the WBC and opportunities that were going to open up for guys to make impressions. Um, obviously, Matthew Libertor had, had a couple starts in the Grapefruit League. And what we're seeing now is him kind of get stretched out a little bit more normally during spring training where that velocity is showing up earlier than it normally does uh, throughout the year. And I guess, you know, the next kind of thing to, to keep an eye on is is obviously if, if he's able to sustain that throughout an entire season. Um, I know you mentioned uh, when you talk about guys who are uh, kind of would be potentially that next man up uh, for a start or a spot in uh, the major league level to pitch. I mean, you, Matthew Libertor, I mean, kind of positions himself as, as one of the guys who could be called at first for Memphis if that opportunity comes up. We continue to be joined by Daniel Guerrero, STL Today. St. Louis Post-Dispatch does a fantastic job covering the minors. You mentioned the WBC. This is another big league question. We're, the, the start to this season is really weird with a lot of teams that expected to contend not playing to where they want to play and a lot of teams 
like the Pirates, like the Brewers, like the Rangers, like the Orioles, having better records than maybe they expected to have. I've been doing this thing where I'm trying to figure out what has led to this. Do you think there's any correlation between it being a WBC year and it being kind of a weird start to the season? You know, I'm not too sure about that one, but it, it, it is a kind of good thing to, to think about, right? Because we had so many guys, especially when you look at the Cardinals, um, there were so many guys who left to play in the tournament. And I mean, I personally am a fan of international tournaments in that sense. Um, WBC is awesome. I mean, I'm a huge fan of the World Cup and other things like that. Um, and I mean, it's kind of an interesting thing, right? Because I remember, I think, uh, players like in past WBCs, I, like, for instance, like Nolan Arnauto in 2017, right, plays for the U.S., and that tournament wins gold and has one of the, you know, his most productive seasons uh, to follow. And it kind of talked about that, um, of kind of that, the WBC preparing for, for that season. I mean, to kind of get a head start. And, and um, I, I think it is kind of an interesting trend that you point out, though. I mean, I, I can't really speculate too much on, you know, what the direct correlation of players in the WBC or teams with a lot of players in the WBC and how they're doing. Um, but, I, but, I mean, it, it is kind of it is like you said really interesting to kind of look at where the teams that you know were expecting to kind of have quick starts out of the gate or or figuring things out. Michael McGreevy gets uh, sent uh, gets the promotion to AAA. He had really been dominating at the AA level. Uh, he had pitched to a 1.45 ERA, 18 and two thirds innings, 16 strikeouts, only one walk. Uh, he's somebody who's considered one of the top prospects in the organization. MLB Pipeline has him listed at, at number seven. What's your takeaway from his fantastic start to the year? Um, I think the one, I mean, I think there's a couple of things that really stick out to me. Um, in the last two outings, they were actually his longest two outings of his professional career. I mean, seven and two thirds. Um, and then he followed that with seven innings um, and nine strikeouts in that second one. Uh, another kind of big thing that I, you know, kind of look at is, is uh, like you said, the, the strikeouts. I mean, he isn't, I mean, he's even said himself, he's not really a strikeout type guy. And he's joked, you know, that Gordon Graceffa, who was drafted with him and also is in Memphis, and his, is figuring things out there. I mean, it's kind of that guy. Well, McGreevy himself is is really that ground ball guy. And you look at the last two outings that he had in Springfield. I mean, the last one, you got 16 ground balls and seven innings. And then before that, it was 13 ground balls and seven and two-thirds. Um, so, I mean, I, I think you're seeing a little bit more of uh, – I mean, he's always been a, a big strike thrower, always somebody who, who can cut down on walks, but to only walk one guy, one batter in in that stretch. Um, I think you're seeing a little bit more of his slider play more effectively down there. It's, and then I, I think one of the things that we're going to kind of be able to watch as he moves to Memphis um, and kind of gets a bigger workload this season, I mean, I, I think we're going to be able to kind of get a better notion, a better feel of, you know, where his velocity is at, which is one of the bigger questions, right, of, of can he sustain his velocity throughout an entire season? I mean, he's shown the command. Uh, the, strikeout, the strikeouts are, are – could come with it, but I mean, when you look at the, the velo for him, that's kind of one of the bigger things to uh, to kind of keep tabs on, I guess. Now that he's in Memphis. Last thing for you, Mason Wynn was as impressive as anybody during spring training. Got off to a slow start at Memphis. Went into like about a week long period where he jumped his average from a 184 to 234. But since then, that's kind of gone back into a slump. He's hitting a 211 even with uh, two hits in his last game played. What do you make of that? I mean, is that is that just kind of a a human being uh, let down, whatever you want to call it, after you know showing off so much in, in big league spring training games, and then coming back and and doing what he's doing now in in uh, in uh, AAA. Yeah, I mean, I would I 
would kind of look at it as somebody who's still adjusting to the level of the league. Um, I mean, when, when you see what he's been able to do, at least in the last few games, I mean, to uh, just, I mean, today, actually, you've had two hits, drove in two runs, um, still playing solid defense and making some really, really fascinating plays on, on, on that side, even at, even at second base, you know, when Paul DeYoung was rehabbing and playing shortstop for Memphis. Um, you're still seeing um, that aspect of, of Mason Wynn's game uh, really play up at the AAA level, but I think when you look at the bat, um, he's still kind of adjusting to the level of the league. I know, uh, obviously, he had a solid spring training. I mean, he really stood out and and kind of, you know, got a, got a lot of people excited for what he can do. Um, and I, I, I think it's just right now, it's it's, in, it's an adjustment period for him. Um, obviously, he's not somebody who's going to try to hit for power. He's somebody who's going to be hitting for contact. And I think a big part of it's going to be making solid contact and taking quality at bats at that level. And um, I mean, obviously, it's still early and he's going to have plenty of time and plenty of opportunities to figure it out. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I just chalk it up as, as a 21-year-old guy in a new level, um, just kind of getting settled in at, at that at at that pace. He is uh, Daniel Guerrero. You follow him on Twitter at the Dan Guerrero. He's part of the team at uh, STL today in the St. Louis Post Dispatch, covering the Cardinals, covering the Miners. Uh, the podcast, best podcast in uh, the Miners. Give a plug for that before we get you out of here. Yeah, thank you, Matt. I mean, really appreciate the invite. All right, thank you so much. Very good. There's uh, Daniel Guerrero joining us here on the program. Again, he and our guy Carter Chapley, another friend of the program, do the uh, best podcast in the minors uh, podcast, and that's something you definitely want to be checking out on uh, every week basis. All right, when we come back, we'll shift gears. We'll talk some basketball. Our guy Earl Austin Jr. is going to join us. That's next. This is Gray Bar Sports Open Line on KMOX. Your home of the Cardinals. Arnado swings and hits it deep to left field. That ball is out of here. The Billikens. Jumper. Yes! Billikens win! The Chiefs. Touchdown! Kansas City! We are America's Sports Voice. KMOX. A great bar sports open line rolling on right here on KMOX. My name is Matt Pauley. Have you for about uh, another hour, a little bit more than that. We'll lead you right into Cardinals baseball tonight. We'll talk a lot more Cardinals throughout the course of the program. But right now we're going to uh, switch gears. We'll talk basketball, both slew basketball and the NBA. Very happy to welcome on to the program. You hear him as the uh, analyst on St. Louis University radio broadcast alongside of Bob Ramsey. He is Earl Austin Jr. Earl, thanks for taking some time with us today. How are you? I'm fine, Matt. How are you this evening? I'm doing great. It's always uh, really good to talk to you. And want to start with the, the news of the day. A familiar name is going to be returning to the St. Louis University bench as an assistant coach in uh, Chris Harriman, who had been with SLU, uh, working for Rick Majerus. He's been around since then. Most recently was at Cal, was the uh, interim coach at one point there. Uh, what does this mean for this program to, to bring him back? Uh, it's very good to see Chris back. Uh, he was a very good uh a part of Rick Majerus' staff, uh, uh, really did a nice job recruiting uh, some good international players. You know, Cody Ellis and Rob Lowe were very instrumental in Flu going to three NCAA tournaments, a couple of in, uh, a couple of Atlantic Ten Conference championships. Uh, Christian Salisic was a, one of the first recruits from Australia. You know, of course, Rob from New Zealand. And uh, so he's, he's done an excellent job. You get a chance to be in an international market. Then obviously uh, he's, been, he's been in the Big Ten with Nebraska. And he's been in the Pac-12 uh, with uh, Cal. So uh, 
Good to, good to see Harry come back, man. Look forward to seeing him again. How important is it for SLU to uh, recruit internationally? I mean, it's a it's 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 a global game, and uh, you got you got great players coming from all over the world, you know. And uh, and uh, uh, if you got international connections, then then, then it becomes important. Like uh, Randy Bennett uh, at St. Mary's, who was another former St. Louis U assistant, he built a tremendous tremendous program at St. Mary's with international talent. Uh, and you just look at the championship, the NCAA championship, uh, the player, the tournament, Sonogo, uh, an international player. So you see in the NBA, you got great players. So he's that great basketball being played all over, not only in the NBA, but at the, you know, at the collegiate level. I always pause when I talk about SLU's season because it's not like they had a bad season, but at the same time, they certainly did not meet the expectations that we had placed upon them going into the year. So when you have a disappointing season, is it important to bring in some new voices that can kind of help you evaluate your own program? Yeah, I mean, as far as, uh, like I said, you got two new coaches, you know, one, and you know, obviously Christian, I mean, uh, Harriman coming in. There's somebody who's familiar with the program, is familiar with the Atlantic 10 Conference, and was there when we were winning, uh, you know, beginning of the, you know, the the winning at the, the Rick Majerus era. So I think that's very important. And obviously, uh, more talent. We got at least four uh, scholarships open, so you got to bring in some quality players. We're losing a lot of good players uh, who were seniors last year who really uh, – did a lot of th- good positive things for St. Louis U basketball. So uh, you got to kind of keep the keep the talent coffers full a little bit too as well because ECU is going to be good again. I expect Dayton to be good, and you still want to be in a position where you want to challenge. You mentioned VCU and, and their coach, Mike Rhodes, went to Penn State. He took a lot of guys with him to Penn State. A bunch of other guys for that team has gone into the transfer portal. Just the fact that they're maybe reloading a little bit more than they were originally expecting to because of a coaching change, does that open things up in the league that much more for next season? Uh, it will, but I think they hired a great coach in uh, Odom at, from uh, Utah State, and I believe a couple of his top players are coming with him as well. Plus, they got a top player <laughs> A top freshman point guard from Rich play at Richmond across town is going to VCU. So I, don't, I think it'll be a different style of play, but VCU will still be a force to be reckoned with in the Atlantic 10 Conference. I think Dayton will continue to be because Anthony Grant has recruited very well throughout the years. And I think we saw the emergence of Fordham this year. Uh, they won over 20 games. They they got a double bye in the Atlantic 10 tournament and uh, kind of was the probably the story of the the the, conf, the story of the conference as well so i think uh they're good as long as they keep the coach and they got a good nucleus for town i think you'll see fordham uh be a factor next year again I follow along a little bit with recruiting on the, on the recruiting websites like 24-7 Sports and Rivals, and every single day programs are getting players committing out of the portal, and there's still a million guys in the portal. I was looking at a list earlier today. It's, it's incredible how many guys are in there. But is are we at a point now in the calendar where there is pressure on SLU? And I know they've done some work. They got the kid from, uh, from Oklahoma, C.J. Nolan. But are we at a point right now where there's some pressure to kind of seal the deal with uh, some of these other players that they're going after? Yeah, like I said, it, it, there's a lot of players, and, you know, the, the, the key is uh, you want to get good players, but you want to get the right fits, too, as well. And uh, sometimes that could make it a little more difficult than, it's, hey, we, hey, there's a lot of players in the portal. Let's go get some talented players. But you want to get guys who want to 
fit the way you want to play, fits your quote-unquote culture or whatever. And uh, this is probably one of the first years where we've really had to dip heavy, you know, possibly heavy into the portal or junior college. You know, we've had good transfers, uh, like, you know, like Javon Bess and that crew. We had transfers that our last championship team, Jermaine Isbell. But that was before the portal was really the portal, where, where every, you know, we were, teams were still building and getting transfers. But now everybody's grabbing guys uh, eligible right away. So I think, especially with that, with this year's team coming up, we still have, we have a, we still got some experience back with Gibson and a few others. But we got we're gonna be leaning on a lot of newer guys. So it'll be good to bring in some guys who've had some Division One experience already. Want to get your thoughts on the NBA playoffs before we get you out of here? Earl Austin Jr. continuing to join us here on a Gray Bar Sports Open Line. It really feels like the Boston Celtics are are just clearly better than every other team in the NBA playoffs. The way I see it, would you agree or disagree with that? Well, they, they look like with Giannis being banged up and they're in a little trouble. They look like the favorite in the East. We'll see what Milwaukee can do against Miami. The West is still a battle royal. I think the Lakers are still, I think, are very talented. I think they they they're offensively as deep as any team left other than Boston. You got six seven guys who can get you a twenty spot. And obviously Phoenix, Denver is still in the mix as well. We'll see what happens. Also, uh, um, with Golden State, Sacramento, the best series. I think it, as exciting as it has been, we've seen some excitement. We saw overtime games the last couple of nights. But I think it's equally frustrating with the amount of injuries to star players and the amount of below-the-belt shots that we've seen from these players <laughs> from the, in the playoffs. I think they, the injuries and the, the below-the-belt shots have uh, kind of kind of been right there with uh, with the great play that we've seen already. Yeah, well, what's Dylan Brooks thinking when he's calling LeBron James old? It just feels like that they that that was not a good thing to say. It's not. He wasn't. And it, I think he's trying to build a brand for himself. And, uh, you know, you, like you said, we've had bad boys and villains in the league, but got to be able to play. And uh, unfortunately, he hasn't been able to, 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 uh, to, to back it up with play. I mean, he's not a good shooter. He keeps shooting. So he's really, he's a decent player, but you, you, you can't, like you said, you, you put a target on your team back and uh, especially going back to LA and LA obviously is taking those two games and a, a number two seeds on the verge of elimination. I think that's just immaturity of a team that's young and talented with high deals, but the playoffs, you got to have a certain level of maturity and savvy if you're going to advance in these playoffs. I mean, same thing with what Josh said. We're good with the West a couple of months ago. You know, they, they, these are professional, and the playoffs are a different animal. So they're learning some. They're learning some tough lessons down there in Memphis about uh, what it takes to go that next step and uh, be a championship contender. How good is it for the NBA when teams like the Lakers and teams like the Knicks, these legacy teams, are, are, are having some success in the postseason like they're having right now? Oh, it's fabulous. Oh, I think the best thing going in the NBA is. Playoff basketball in Madison Square Garden is the best. I mean, I'm going. I grew up watching that stuff. You know, when my, my uncle's team, the Bullets, used to play the Knicks in the Garden. Going back to the early '70s, when the Knicks are going and the Garden is rocking, is nothing like it in NBA playoffs. And that's with the Lakers. That's with the Celtics. It's magical when the Garden is electric. Uh, when the in the NBA playoff setting, and that's and it'll be interesting. I expect Cleveland to win Game Five, and then a possible closeout game 
uh, in, in the garden, that would, that would be something else. It absolutely would. He is uh, Earl Austin Jr., analyst uh, on the St. Louis University radio broadcast alongside of uh, Bob Ramsey. Always love talking basketball with him. Uh, we'll get you back on before the end of the NBA playoffs if you're all right with that. My pleasure, man. Always good to talk with you. Awesome. Very good. Earl Austin Jr. joining us here on the program. Love talking basketball with him and glad that he's able to take a moment or so with us. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll give you the uh, Cardinals lineup for today. Anything quirky? We've seen some quirky things here over the last few days. We'll get into it in just a moment as we continue on with the Gray Bar Sports Open Line right here on KMOX. This is America's Sports Voice, KMOX. The Gray Bar Sports Open Line continues on right here on KMOX. My name is Matt Pauley. As always, if you want to join us, you can do so by calling or texting 314-436-7900. That's 314-436-7900. That's how you call. That's how you text. You can also uh, tweet at me if you like, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. I was just trying to type one thing while spelling out something else, and that just did not go well in any shape or form. So, uh, yeah, but uh, if you do want to join us, you could do so. Uh, the lineup today for the Cardinals looks like this. Uh, and the uh, the trend that we have seen here recently of uh, splitting up Arenado and Goldschmidt, it does continue. So Lars Newtbar is leading things off. He is in right field. The number two hitter is Paul Goldschmidt. He's at first base. Nolan Gorman, the DH, batting third. Batting fourth, third baseman Nolan Arenado batting fifth. The catcher, Wilson Contreras. Alec Burleson is the sixth hitter in left field. Dylan Carlson, the seven hitter in center field. Brendan Donovan starts at second base today. He bats eighth and then batting ninth is shortstop Tommy Edmond. So of note, Paul DeYoung not in the lineup today. Also of note, uh, the Goldschmidt, Arnato Contreras thing is uh, has Gorman right in the middle of it because Goldschmidt is sitting as the two hitter. Um. So for let me let me preface this by saying, we make way too much of lineups. We make way too much of lineups. Uh, are there things that you want in a lineup? Are there things that you want to do? Some you know trying to even out and alternating some righty-lefty stuff. Yeah, sure. Like, I'm not saying the lineup doesn't matter at all, that you can just take uh, take everybody out of a hat and just put them in whatever order they come out. But I, I do think we make way, way, way too much out of lineups. In the grand scheme of things, it really doesn't matter that Goldschmidt's in the two spot and Gorman's in the three spot, and then you get to Arenado and Contreras. So this is one of those things where, you're almost looking for things to uh, to be unhappy about, and it really doesn't matter. But for me, I like the Goldschmidt, Arenado, Contreras going three, four, five, and you can put wherever whoever else you you want. I don't especially love Lars Newtbar. I think Newtbar is the guy that I would like in that two spot. I've always thought that your number two hitter has to be somebody with a little bit of pop. Has to be somebody with a little bit of speed. Has to be somebody with good uh, bat-to-ball skills. And that basically defines Lars Newtbar. So if he's not in the leadoff spot, who do you put in there? Obviously, you have a Brendan Donovan. You have a Tommy Edmond. Those guys are available. Edmond's in the nine spot. So essentially, if you view this more as as Edmond being that 
secondary leadoff hitter because he's batting in the ninth spot. When the when the lineup turns over for that first time, Newt Bar kind of becomes the two hitter, and then you can rationalize it out a little bit. So Newt, Newt Bar as the leadoff hitter makes a little bit more sense when you've got Edmund as the nine hitter. I just, I again, I, I've said this a million times. As somebody who spent a good number of years in Milwaukee covering the Brewers and watched a lot of Brewers-Cardinals game, I can tell you from the other side that it just always feels like Goldschmidt and Arnato are coming up. And having those two guys back-to-back in so many ways creates so many decisions from the other dugout. And that's not to dismiss Nolan Gorman at all. Gorman is having a better offensive season than Goldschmidt and Arnato. But Goldschmidt and Arnato are legitimate MVP candidates on a year-in-year-out basis. Gorman isn't quite there yet. And if Gorman does start to cool off, maybe they do something else. I just, I always like the idea of Goldschmidt and Arnato. And I guess you can throw Contreras in there, but I like the idea of Goldschmidt and Arnato always batting back to back. I think it does a lot for you. All right, uh, we're going to talk some sports gambling in Missouri. Our good friend Brad Young had a conversation about it over on our sister station, 97.1 FM Talk. We're going to hear some of that coming up next. It's a great bar sports open line on KMOX. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. 